Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, here with Keith Myers, and we're going to talk some Seahawks football today. We're going to go over some roster stuff, uh, take a quick look at the schedule that's going to come out tomorrow uh, for this for the Seahawks uh, regular season, and um, we're just going to have some fun. So uh, thanks for joining us. Welcome in, Keith. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. It's... Um... You know, we're in that spot in spring where the weather's starting to turn nice up here in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm looking outside going, this is probably the only thing I don't mind being indoors for right now. Uh, anything else, I'd be like, no, nah, I want to go outside. Um, but no, let's talk some football. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's uh, spring here, too, uh, in the Phoenix area. But it's, it's, like, like, it's like 103. Yeah, it's 98 or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, it's 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 actually, it's it's pretty darn comfortable. I mean, the cool thing about it being this warm during the day is that when the sun goes down and it cools off about 10 degrees in about an hour, right? Yep. And so uh, it's perfect for having dinner out on the patio and going out to a restaurant and eating outside, all that kind of stuff. So um, this is my what I'm, probably my favorite time of the year is is April May just from the weather standpoint because it's not too hot but it's it's pretty warm you know so you don't have to wear more than a, just a shirt and shorts and you're good to go so yeah so what are we what are we doing today we just we decided well we didn't decide did we we had a reschedule on a uh, on on our regular show that we had planned today. And so we shifted gears a little bit. We're going to talk some of the uh, the NFC West stuff uh, today. Take a look at the Seattle Seahawks, how they're positioned in the division right now uh, with regards to the way that the roster is composed versus maybe some of the other uh, other franchises and what they've done and, and how we stack up and what we think. So, uh, Keith, what, what do you think? Like, describe the offseason to me for the Seahawks and what you perceive uh, about the other clubs quickly. And then uh, let's get into it and see if that perception kind of matches up with reality. Well, so looking at it from my point of view, I think the Seahawks did a great job of plugging holes, um, filling stuff in and uh, getting better in a couple of key places. They're not, you know, they haven't made these wholesale changes or anything crazy, but no team has. Um, you know, in, in the sense, you've got the Rams, which gutted their depth to add a real quarterback, so they don't have Jared Goff, like, running things. Um, you know, the the Cardinals are continuing to try and build up that young team, but they did it with some really old players that may or may not help them get over the hump, and they've still got a terrible coach. And the 49ers are, I mean, they lost a lot of their top-end talent, you know, like in the secondary and stuff, but they were really deep before uh, they mm-hmm. restocked a little bit and they were yep. super injured last year. So yeah, losing both their starting corners sounds bad until you think about the fact that I think they combined for like 108 snaps last year, um, the two starting corners that, that they last. So it's not like the other guys haven't played. And so 
um, they're still going to be a tough out. And, mm-hmm. you know, now they've got the only problem with them is, is they've got to figure out what's going on at quarterback because we know Garoppolo is not going to carry them anywhere. Um, they got Trey Lance, who has the probably the highest upside in the draft other than Trevor Lawrence, but also has a lower floor. So how patient are they going to be with Jimmy Garoppolo? Um, and, you know, are, are, is he going to be able to to keep his job long enough for Trey Lance to, to prepare and get ready? Um, or is he going to play poorly and force the coach's hand and get Trey Lance out there too early and this whole season becomes a mess? So um, there's some question marks with all the teams. And Seattle's in a position with fewer question marks, in my opinion. And I, I like their chances, but it's a tough division. There's no yeah. easy out. Out of all well, it's, it's, a, it's a tough division, Keith, and it's a, it's a tough schedule. I mean, we can go over the schedule a little bit, too. Um, it's not set in stone as far as the dates, but we know the opponents. Um, you're right, though. You know, there are question marks. Um, there's question marks all over the NFL. You know, the, uh, and you mentioned it last week. The only team that really looks good that's got all their returners from last year is the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But their quarterback is one year older. And uh, teams are never quite the same year in, year out. So we'll see how that plays out. But Plus you have this, the Super Bowl hangover, which affects every team. So they're going to go into the, come into the year and, and, you know, they'll have to deal with that. They were um, notoriously uninjured last year. They, they made it through the season really healthy, um, which that, you know, that injury luck doesn't tend mm-hmm. to continue year to year. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, they've, they've had a lot of things that, that really, um, benefited them and they may not have those same benefits, but they're still a stack roster. Um, they still have Tom Brady at quarterback. Now in some of those games, especially in the playoffs, um, they won in spite of Tom Brady, um, and not because of him, but in other games, yeah, he still led them. And, uh, so yeah, him being a year older, what does that mean? And it'll be interesting to find out. There was a lot of change this year. You know, we had uh, Carson Wentz change teams, went to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Matthew Stafford came over to the Rams. Um, You know, there's just a lot of uh, Trey Lance uh, to the 49ers. He may or may not start, but you've got the top three or four quarterbacks in this draft, which are expected to come in and play Mm -hmm. fairly well right away. And um, it'll be interesting, you know, and, and some of those teams are on our schedule to be, you know, so uh, we at home we play Chicago, uh, Detroit, Jacksonville, with the top draft pick, New Orleans and Tennessee. And away we are at uh, Green Bay, Houston, Indianapolis, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, and the extra game Washington. You know, to me, and then you add our division guys in there. Um, I thought when this first came out, opponent uh, schedules first came out in the beginning of spring at the at the new year. I was a little concerned, um, but that was just before all the all the real changes and, and kind of really looking at the at the schedules and so forth. And that schedule doesn't really um, intimidate me, or it should not intimidate the Seahawks. I don't think. Well, no. I mean, you look at um, the Bears are going to come in with either Andy Dalton or Justin Fields at quarterback. Um, I think Fields mm-hmm. is going to be good. I wouldn't count on him being great in year one. You know, you look at um, what's going on in, in New Orleans. Like, just go down the list of those teams that you said. Yeah, you know, Jared Goff in Detroit. I yeah, mean, I mean, it's Jared Goff. Um, right. <laughs> you know, what is 
What do you think of Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville? I mean, see, Jacksonville such a hot was such a hot mess coming into the draft that you just don't know. New coaching staff throughout, new players. Yeah, and a coaching new staff direction. That, a coaching staff that just makes questionable decisions. Um, you know, they hired that one coach and then turned around and had to fire him like a week later after all the reports came out about him being, you know, uh, discriminating against uh, certain players at Iowa when he was coaching there and. And then you go, that was that was well-documented and out there, and everybody knew about it. Why would you hire him to begin with? But Urban Meyer seems a little tone-deaf when it comes to some of these things. And they just signed Tim Tebow, of all crazy things, to play tight end. He's 33. He hasn't played an NFL snap since 2012. It's a feel-good story for Camp Fodder, dude. Come on. I mean, and if he makes the roster, it's good for him. But yeah, but... Unlikely, right? True, but you've got limited spots, right? Um, he, you're you're only allowed. They're five. having a hard time finding you're ninety open. players for ninety player rosters this year. I think it'll be okay. Uh, well, they're they're they are limited to. You're limited to five tryout players. It used to be, you know, you'd have thirty guys come in for rookie minicamp, and that's correct as a tryout. Um, and then you know one or two would get signed, and and a couple of the undrafted free agents would get dropped because they, you know, showed up out of shape or whatever. Um, but you still have all this, now this year you're limited to five to keep the, the numbers down. Um, you're and those lose. five aren't even going to be on the field with everyone else. Yeah. You're going to, cause they're not having many camps. And so in fact, gonna, we just talked about that before the show. It's like, we have a schedule that we kind of make up two or three months in advance, just so I kind of keep saying, <laughs> and, um, I had written many camp re- you know, review show in a few months ago and they've since canceled that and so now we gotta make something up so yeah um yeah so you're looking at that and you okay you're only allowed five tryout players and you're gonna use one of those on a 33 year old he's not trying out though they gave him a contract already did they i thought yeah. they they used they were gonna use one okay so even then you're you're still i don't why are you taking a spot on your roster mm-hmm. that a, you could have a young player with actual like promise and talent Follow um, the money, man. You got to follow the money. Somebody's doing somebody a favor. You know, some agent is calling one in. That's <laughs> basically what it, what it amounts to, right? Mm-hmm. I would think. I mean, a guy that hasn't touched the field for a while like that, especially out of position, you know, he may very well be be good and, and fine to make a back end a roster spot. I mean, he's got athletic traits that, you know, you just can't teach, but he hasn't put them into use for quite a while. So, all right. Um, anybody else on the schedule? New Orleans. I was, you know, this is the first year in a long time that Drew Brees has not been a quarterback in the NFL, and New Orleans is going to be rudderless there for a little bit. Um, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, Tennessee, you know, they've had some changes. They've jettisoned a few folks, especially on their defensive side. That'll be interesting to me. Um, Green Bay, you know, what's going to happen with Green Bay and their quarterback situation? Um yeah, because so Houston far, is in their quarterback situation. It's like, my goodness, they're they're kind of getting set up to be a, a bottom dweller. You mm-hmm. know, unfortunately for them, they're just so poorly run. Um, Carson Wentz in Indianapolis, Minnesota, doesn't is the same team <laughs> every year. They have these high expectations and they fall flat. Uh, Pittsburgh is going to be a, a kind of a transformal, uh, formative team where they're kind of uh, diminishing. And then Washington, who knows what you're going to get there. So, well, yeah, and you've not got, a lot of intimidation there. Yeah, you've got a you got a 
um, quarterback situation there. And, you know, in, in Minnesota, it's how, you know, what's going, you know, even there, let's say Kirk Cousins show, or is it, when are they going to get tired of that and move on? Um, I kind of expected them to this off season and they didn't. So it's, there's a lot, there's a lot going on um, just around the league. It's just a lot of upheaval. Uh, it's been one of the most transformative years at the quarterback position league wide. And that was with things that didn't, that didn't happen that could have like Ben Roethlisberger retiring um, or Tom Brady retiring. And, you know, there's, there's other mm-hmm. quarterback shifting that could have happened and didn't. Uh, and it was still, it's still this massive like year. Um, ultimately to me, what it comes down to is what's going on in green Bay. Can they get Aaron Rodgers back in camp on board, willing to put everything forward and try and win? Yeah. I mean, it's in his best interest. Making major moves at this point in an off season is really not beneficial for the player or the organization. Um, and so, you know, if, if it's irreconcilable differences, um, then, then if you're green Bay, you've got to do whatever you can do to get whatever you can get and move on. Um, and, and the sooner the better, because you want to be able to get, um, your replacement guy, uh, love all the reps that, that he can get and into the playbook and kind of get that mentality of being a starter. Uh, if he's the guy, if he's ready, or if he's not, you know, they've got to make it, they've got to make a choice because that completely changes the entire dynamic of that franchise. And it, and it puts them in a situation where they're diminishing. So that's one more competitor out of the way for the Seahawks to get to and and pass the divisional round and, and into an NFC championship kind of a, a game. I would think, because if you take a look around the NFC, the only people that are standing in our way is ourselves and our, our foes in the NFC West, you know? And so that's why I can I think we were easy and quick to kind of come to a second, um, topic today for discussion, which was, you know, what's our roster look like compared to our NFC West counterparts? And did we do enough to improve and, and retain the NFC West, uh, division champion mode or did we diminish and and are we falling back a little bit and is somebody like the 49ers doing enough and they've done quite a bit to get back to their 2019 level where they didn't have the injuries and they won 13 games and took the division so where do you want to start um i want to start with the fact that uh the seahawks drafted like a short a uh, cornerback with T-Rex arms. And um <laughs> yeah, let's talk about let's talk about the ph- uh, philosophical shift that's maybe going on with Pete Carroll and in that defense. So I questioned this and I'm like I don't understand. Like what what is the the thinking behind picking a short quarterback with T-Rex arms? And what I was given by a bunch of people was that well, you look at the division and there's a lot of short wide receivers. So they're looking for guys that mm-hmm. maybe aren't as long, but are, um, but are quicker, right? They can they're they're better in short space. Um, still have that 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 top end straight line speed, so they can get back. But you needed guys that were they were going to trade length for quickness, um, in order to you know adapt. So I'm like, okay, let's go through and look at at rosters, and and wide receivers that they'll be marking, um. You know, Brandon Ayuk's six foot, uh, Travis Benjamin, uh, 
is 5'11". He may or may not make the roster. Um, you know, River Craycraft is six foot. You go down the list here on the 49ers and you're mm-hmm. going to find 6'1", 6'2", uh, 6 foot, 6'1". Okay, that's not a lot of short guys where you need and to they, they have 5'9". They have unproven guys and they have really old guys other than, say, uh, a guy that gets injured all the time um, in, in um, uh, whatchamacallit, what am I trying to say? Um, Samuel, you know, Samuel's a great talent. I mean, I would love to have had him on our roster, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy when he's out there. He's a difference maker. Um, Brandon Ayuk is a guy that I really like a lot, he's but gonna, he's, you he's know, good. he's not short and shifty. He's more of a, a speed guy, foot. a guy in open space that's going to get, Kevin get some extra yards three, for you. Right? Yeah. I mean, so you have, like, you look at that, like there's, um, like that's who Jordan they are. Jennings is 6'3". Yeah. Yeah. So, the, Okay. Maybe it's not the 49ers. Maybe it's, it's the not Cardinals. 49ers. Yeah. Maybe it's the Cardinals, right? Well, let's see. Christian Christian Kirk Christian is definitely Kirk. in that mold. He's 5'10. Yeah, but he's a shift. He's he's a speed guy with a lot of agility. True. He is. Um, so there's that. But you've got 6'4, AJ Green. You got 6'2. Mm, um, and old. Old, very old. True. Uh, but yeah, 6'2 <laughs> with um DeAndre Hopkins, who's not mm-hmm. old. And he's um, a possession style wide receiver. At this point in his career, I think. Uh, he's still really good. Yeah, but he's uh, not going to take the top off. Um, you know, you and the Isabella is a guy that's you know could can get underneath you and yeah, yeah. But uh, Kristen Kirk and and Andy Isabella and and Rondell Moore, dude. I mean, they just drafted a guy that's prototypical guy for for um a guy like Trey Brown to be able to cover, you know, or Amadi. Um, and, and you need as much speed as you can to cover that guy because that guy's got serious wheels. And so, yeah, I mean, I get it. I get the, I get the draft pick Keith and I'll, I'll tell you why is because of his ball skills and his coverage skills. skills? So when you take a look at the the arm length, yeah, you can rule him out because of arm length all you want. But when it comes right down to it, the guy can run, the guy's makeup speed, the guy can, can stick. And so. There's enough tools there where I get the pick. I don't necessarily agree with the pick. Um, it's not the guy that I thought that would be ideal in our defense, but that's why I wanted to talk to you about the kind of a philosophical shift possibly because while this wouldn't have been the pick two years ago, it's the pick now. And so well, and what's what going I'm, on there? Well, and that, and this, this is what I'm saying is, is the explanation that was given um, was that the the division where the talent is has gotten yeah, smaller but that's from, and that's from guys like us. Well, true. You know, they're kind of looking you but know I'm outside in. Sa- yeah. I'm saying like that. Th- this is the justification that that is being leaned on, and it's not correct. Robert Woods is six one. Uh, um, Cooper Cup is six two. Right. Just, so there's not a lot of speed in this division. There's not other a, than a couple of guys. There's a couple of guys with speed, but there's a lot of height. And mm-hmm. a lot of guys, physicality. Can, a lot of guys that play physical and can go up and get it. Even Debo Samuel is a is a physical beast. Yeah, and and so what is have the Seahawks done? Where they've they've stopped looking for cornerbacks that can cover bigger physical guys, and they've started getting really small with short arms that are going to get beaten at the point at the catch point over and over again by the bigger but then, more physical. But then guys. they signed Akella Witherspoon in free agency. Yeah, to a one-year deal. So they draft a player that they wanted, their 
they can have four years of team control of mm-hmm. who um, isn't going to be able to cover most of the people in the division whose names we mentioned. Um, and well, I mean, you know, yes, I, I totally get what you're saying, but they've also got a guy by the name of Ryan Neal. They've also got a guy by the name of Demarius Randall, who has previously played corner, switched to safety, you know, three or four years ago. And then now the Seahawks want him to, to play corner again. He's like six one. Um, Trey Flowers is, is a big corner. So the, they still have, so you he, know, four big corners that are good enough to be in some sort of rotation. So, uh, And they also answer, have the smaller prototype guys like Amadi. And, um, and they, and they brought in Pierre Desir as well. Another, another big corner. So what I'm saying is I think there's a blend and, and, and before they didn't really have a lot of blend. I mean, we had Coleman, you know, as a, as a slot guy, you know, five, five years ago. And then we sort of, you know, before that and after that, we really didn't have anybody that was really that talented and played that kind of a role. Everybody's been big. So, so now I'm thinking so there's, your, there's your, a little your blend. Your thought here is that the people who are going to going to cover the receivers that are in this division, I think it's a matchup driven division. Is not the guy that they just used one of their three draft picks on. Yeah, the, well, at the fourth round, pick? Keith. Well, because in the fourth round you're going to get best player available and a best player that's going to fit your division or your uh, your roster long term, and I think that they probably have some insight into that. You know, as far as how he. He's going to fit. He plays bigger than he is. Um, you know, we know that. He's a physical guy. He's a feisty receiver. He's a handsy guy. Um, so I think that he makes up for some of that height and, and short arms with just the physicality that he plays with. And then I, I think that there is a balance on the roster between height, length versus speed and agility because I think it, it is a matchup dependent kind of schedule. And they need both and they have options, you know, and then they've got a guy, uh, Marquis Blair coming in too, I think is kind of a wild card this year who can line up in a couple different spots for you that, that, um, enables other folks to kind of move around as well. So it'll be interesting to see the, the guy that I'm really interested to kind of see if, if he fits is Pierre Desir. I think it's kind of an underrated signing in a, in a sense in that I think he immediately becomes maybe a Keller Witherspoon's largest competition, not um, not Flowers, you know. And so we'll see if Flowers sticks even on this roster. Um, I think that he does just from the lack of, of depth overall, but Pierre Desir, I think, may take those snaps. So um, here's the thing. So uh, you know I, I love Pierre Desir. I think he's a fantastic, he's a, he's a good player and a fantastic person. Um, and he is going to be an absolute, like, perfect locker guy for room the locker guy. room. He's a yeah, locker room guy. I get, I get that. Um, and that was part of the reason why the Colts paid him uh, when they did, because not only did he have a really good year covering, but he's such a good locker room guy. The following year, when he didn't have as good a year covering, now they were just paying for the locker room part, and so they cut him um, and to save the money. And then he went to the Jets, and he had another – oh, the Jets. The Jets – the Jets make everyone look bad, but um, he's had two kind of off years in a row. And do I think he can still play at the level uh, from his first year in, in Indy and, and what we saw in camp and preseason when he was here in Seattle? I do. 
But I'd be interested to see if he can get back to that. If he can get back to that level, with that level of discipline and, mm-hmm. and everything that he's doing, yeah, he should be starting. He should be starting on, on, on some NFL team, and if it's not Seattle, it'll be somewhere else. But he'll he'll end up starting um, in a, a Keller Witherspoon spot. Well, are we undervaluing Akella Witherspoon as an as a viable option in a starting role in this defense where he takes, you know, 70, 75% of the snaps or more, and then uh, other other matchups are, are matchup dependent. And He's so, currently the starter and Yeah. And I his, and I'm not job mad about it. I mean you know I what I mean? Look, I it's like I liked Akello. I think he underperformed. I think he had some injury situations. Um, but I think he's got the ability. And I think in, in this defense with this coach, maybe maybe he gets some success there and, and we've got it all figured out. I still think it's one of the least intimidating uh, defensive back rooms in the NFL overall. I think our safety situation is pretty strong, but it's still kind of screwed up in a sense that you know, we've got Jamal Adams at, at strong safety. And then, um, you know, we've got Amadi and Marquise Blair and Quandre Diggs and Ryan, Ryan Neal can play a little bit of that. And Demarius Randall can, you know, shift back and forth if, if needed and so forth. But it's not, a, you know, beyond Adams and, and Diggs is okay. I've never, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Diggs. He has his moments and he has some good games and then he has some games where he disappears a little bit and he forces the cornerbacks to kind of, play out of position slightly sometimes. So I, overall, I think it's the weak link on the defense. I mean, we've got a really strong linebacker group. We've got a very vastly improved defensive line. And then the, the cornerback group, even before Shaquille uh, Griffin left, was marginal. And now that he's gone, they really didn't add anybody that that, that is his equal and or, you know, if you, you can put Witherspoon in that boat, but the NFL doesn't. I mean, Witherspoon got a one-year, $4 million deal, and look what Griffin was able to get. And they were drafted in the same draft. Yeah. So what else? Um, I mean, to me, that that was, we were talking about, about the philosophical changes. I get that, that DJ Reed kind of like, was like, whoa, he was kind of a revelation, and... and Maybe they don't have to be super long to be successful mm-hmm. in this defense. Um, and we saw Justin Coleman, you know, for three years as one of the better slot corners in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was a slot corner. But he was a slot corner. He had a very right. he had a very specific role. Now they seem to be making this transition where they're okay with these shorter corners in a division that is still dominated by big, tall, physical receivers. And can you imagine DJ mm-hmm. Reed or um, Trey Brown going up against? Well, I can actually. I mean, we one saw on, DJ one on Reed one against year. AJ Green, who's six four. Yeah, but you know, they're less five, of a, lesser of a player now. I doesn't you know, matter. I, he could go out into a spot, stand in a, in one place, and not move, and then have the ball just be thrown <laughs> up and jump up and get it. And those guys won't be able to do anything about it. Uh, that's fine. Um, what he's got him by seven. Listen, inches. I think that, like I said before, I think these are going to be some some matchup dependent um, scenarios, and and likely you will probably not see a guy like Trey Brown covering AJ Green. 
you know, it's probably going to end up being Flowers or Witherspoon or, you know, one of the Demarius Randall or Ryan Neal or, you know, somebody else with a little bit of size, Pierre Desir. Um, it, it's likely that, you know, what, the situation that you saw with Richard Sherman when he was here, staying on one side of the field all the time, not, not move around with wide receivers, is, um, is probably changing. I think that they probably intend to, to move a guy like Trey Brown around a little bit because, um, you don't, you want to make sure that he's not taken advantage of with that height and, so, and jumping ability and so forth. So you have to hide him from the yeah, opposing. And it's possible, offense. but that's what you get in the fourth round, you know, and if, there, if they're insistent on other, not placing him in the slot players. role, then it is what it is. I got to see him on the field. I mean, I, at some point, Keith, we can talk about all this stuff hypothetically, but at, at some point, I don't want to get too far ahead because what if he is pretty decent? You know, what if he is a guy that can make up some of that stuff because he's just so physical? You know, I, I want to be able to see it and then we can, I can figure it out. But until then, it's hard because I just don't know. I mean, the NFL talent versus the college talent is pretty significant, you know. And I just don't know what I don't know about him, really. So here's here's one of the things that I was thinking about. Um, you know, when Pete Carroll and Sean Snyder came to town, they set that NFL record with like 282 or whatever it was. Transactions. Trans- transaction yeah. in, in a calendar year because they were just uh, just shuffling the roster. Just guys getting guys in, get, looking at them, kicking them out if they were, didn't have the talent, just shuffling the roster, looking for talent. That was pretty amazing. Um, one of the first moves out of all the transactions, one of the first things they did was trade Josh Wilson, mm-hmm. cornerback. Um because it was it, five, what five eleven or five nine? I can't was, remember. He was five ten. He was five ten. Um, but five. Yeah, I was thinking of Kelly Jennings or something. Yeah. yeah. So five. five Both ten, those guys are in the same boat. Five 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 ten was was generous. Um, but go look at height, arm length, agility numbers, and stuff from when they were college. When they arrived, they walked into the thing and they looked at the roster and they said. This guy may be good, but he absolutely doesn't fit what we're going to do. So we're going to trade him and get a, a draft pick for. Mm-hmm. So he absolutely doesn't fit what we do. And they just drafted him. They just drafted him again. Yeah. So, well, we'll have to take a look at his coverage skills. Because that was a big thing with Wilson is, is he, A, he didn't have any ball skills, right? So he was okay, sticky-wise, but he could he couldn't get his head around didn't make a play on the ball it was you know that sort of thing kelly jennings was the same way and um marquis or uh um marcus trufant had similar attributes i'm not going to say he was at that level but he still had some ball skill challenges as well so maybe a guy like that has all those physical abilities with those guys but has the ball skills has the physicality maybe that makes the difference i don't know i i'm just listening to what pete says and that's kind of what's coming out of his mouth in those press conferences where those are the attributes that they identified that they value that he has. And and that's the only reasoning that I can come forward with to counter your argument at all because otherwise I completely agree with you. I don't know what what the deal is. I don't know what the, um, the justification is there. Uh, there were a few other corners out there that 
that fit their quote unquote prototype. Um, but they elected to go in a different direction and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because I don't know that we know all the answers completely right now. I mean, we have an idea, but I'll be interested to see if we're, we're proven wrong. What other, um, position groups? So the other big, um, philosophy change that's happened and it's happened over a couple of years in Seattle. It started last year and it, it continued in a big way this year, um, is the shift on the offensive line because, uh, prior to last season, uh, they were run blocking, run blocking, run blocking. I mean, that was the justification for mm-hmm. keeping Jermaine Effetti around is that occasionally he would, he would take a defensive end and, you know, push him back by the safeties, um, as a run blocker. I mean, that let's face it, that's, that's where his strength was, um, you know, that's who Lupati was. That's who DJ Fluker was. That's, mm-hmm. that's what they were. That's what they wanted. Last year that stopped because last year they went and got shell who is not as good of a run blocker, but is a good pass blocker. Um, you know, they made the shift with Posick at center. Who's not as good of a run blocker, but is a better pass blocker. Then this off season, they made this, their, their big trade and brought in Gabe Jackson who is one of the top pass blocking guards in the entire NFL. You know, it's interesting that you said that too about last year, not, not, not Jackson for this year, but last year with shell and then Posick at center starting, you know, and, and highlighting the, the pass blocking. Um, Chris Carson had his highest average carry per carry rate, um, in his entire career last year, even though he didn't have the, the chances and the opportunities, what he did have, he, he, he carried the ball really well. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe that's a, it's a good blend to have both. Well, I mean, <laughs> who would have known? And so, you know, look, look at their but, line. But now. Russell Wilson was still sacked a ton. You yeah. Know? He was sacked a ton because Lupati didn't, um, you know, didn't play. And when he did, he was awful. And his backup was also awful. Jordan, and, um, Jordan Simmons. And, you know, Posick got hurt and Fuller wasn't great. Uh, although I think he's got a lot of talent and I think they want to coach him up and, and see what they've got in him. Um, his mm-hmm. technique was, was still pretty poor. And so that didn't work. And, and then when Posick came back from his injury, he was not the player he was before injury. He uh, lacked balance and, and, and had a hard time keeping his, his pads over his. Um, yeah. That last six games was atrocious. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he, had a great start to the season, got hurt, came back, and just did not play well. So That's why I was shocked that they handed him that spot again. Basically, I mean, they, they gave it to uh, him and, and Fuller to compete against. And uh, I mean, we had a chance for Humphrey in the draft, Keith, and we passed on it. I don't, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just look at, at all of, you know, these moves and whatnot. And who is the guy on the line right now? who is the big time run blocker who's a liability in pass protection cuz that's been the Seahawk prototype that that's what they've looked for in in offensive linemen since Pete Carroll arrived well i mean can Shelby the can Shelby the answer <laughs> because he does play on the outside edge and he is a little vulnerable still even even with his athletic traits he's still a middling 
you know, yeah. NFL average offensive lineman. He's an, he, yeah. I mean, he's not, he's, he's not. I was going to say Lewis just because he is a road grader, kind of a blocker. Yeah, um, but he's also good in pass protection. He is also good in pass protection. He's and got, Postic he, is actually pretty decent, even though he's marginal. Yeah. But he's I mean, marginally decent. When, when Postic <laughs> was uh, playing well at the beginning of last season, mm-hmm. he was doing well in pass protection. But, um, yeah, and then was so was the entire offensive line kind of I mean, struggling a little bit in as a as a run blocker, and then when he came back, he kind of struggled in both. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just look at at, at there, and there isn't that road grader guy except for Lewis. Yeah, Instead, and even then, he's not that heavy. Yeah, and he's not a he's not um, he's not a liability in pass protection in by any means. So you have an entire line that is built around pass blocking. And yeah, Shell's probably the weakest link on that line now. Um, or maybe Postic, one of those two spots. Mm-hmm. Um, but Shell's going to have a tight end next to him most of the time to help him out. So you've got a situation where they have completely changed gears. Yeah. Well, not only that. Yeah, not only that, Keith, just if you isolate just the offensive line, that's just one thing. But then you add the offensive coordinator into this the factor mm-hmm. along with what they're going to do with the blocking scheme as well, is that they're going to get into more of a rhythm passing game, quick reads, get the ball out of Russell Wilson's hand quick. This offensive line is going to take, should take a significant leap in pass grades this year overall just because uh the the timing nature of the offense is going to really help them um just have to sustain blocks two and a half three seconds and then they're they're done um so what do you think about that like what do you think about the 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 offensive coordinator married up to russell wilson married up to the offensive line like is that all set up to really be successful this year i think it is i mean you you look at at all of these because we were all worried you know, that maybe we didn't have the personnel to match up with Shane Waldron's kind of out, outside zone scheme where linemen are asked to get way out um, and deep. And well, they kind of don't. They need to move laterally, but they need to move the person in front of them laterally um, is what you have to do for the outside zone. Um, and they, they're they fine with that. Like you've got that Brown, that, that was, that's the system Brown played in um in Houston before coming into Seattle. They mm-hmm. were they were the league's top outside zone running team um during his Who was time the offensive there. lineman guy there? Um, that Joe Gibbs or Gibbs? It was Gibbs yeah. and then for a certain time. Yeah. It was Kubiak. Um he was the OC though, right? And the head coach. Um oh, okay. I mean yeah. I mean but those are the guys. So Kubiak and Gibbs were the guys that pioneered all the zone blocking stuff back in the Denver uh, for the Denver Broncos yeah. under um, Mike Shanahan, mm-hmm. when they had, you know, 2,000 yard rusher and Terrell Davis. Davis. Yeah. And then after he got hurt, and they would just plug in anyone. Um, Ron Dane went for over 1,000 yards <laughs> in a year because that system just worked so well. And um, it's, yeah. And, and this is based on that. It's not the same, but it's, it's very, it's similar. But the difference is what they do in the passing game out of it and the, the motion and the, the rollouts and the, the moving pockets and, and, and that kind of stuff that they do to help the quarterback. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that you're going to take a guy like um, 
you know, guys like Quinn and, and stuff that are, that are going to be coming in, um, off the edge. And instead of having them, you know, with their ears back, trying to get around the corner to Wilson, they've got to move laterally first because they have to respect, um, their assignments, um, and in the run and then turn up field and get, it's just different. You, you, you dictate to the defensive linemen that they aren't going to just be able to come straight up field at you. Um, and I think it's just a great fit. You have guys that can, that can, um, that can pass block in that situation. You've got a scheme that works. You've got a quarterback that, um, you know, throws great on the run, throws a great deep ball when you need him to, well, hopefully, but, he isn't always best when he drops straight back and stands, you know, a uh, seven step, uh, you know, seven step drop and stands there and waits for things to develop. That's not, you know, that's not Russell Wilson at his best. His best is, you know, making athletic plays and, and throwing the ball on the run and, and um, you know, his amazing, you know, accuracy on the deep ball. Um, and so you've got to have a situation where, you're taking advantage of those talents. I think Waldron, because of the offense that he helped coordinate um, in, in um, L.A., will do that. And I think Schottenheimer was terrible at all of those things. So it's just a much different situation. Interesting. Yeah. So um, moving around a little bit, what, um, you, you said that the 49ers roster really, um, really impresses you overall. Like John Lynch there has done actually a really good job, I think, of yeah, roster building. Yeah. So um, in, in the draft, I thought that they nailed it. I mean, almost every player I love and, and would have liked to have had on the Seahawks roster, um, with the exception, I mean, Trey Lance, you know, whatever, we weren't in the position to, to do that. But, um, Aaron Banks at guard is an improvement and an upgrade for them. I think he comes right in and immediately probably starts Trey Sermon, uh, undervalued guy, Elijah Mitchell that they picked up in the, the back end of the sixth round as a running back, I think is, is an underrated player that, that really does have the ability to kind of help them. I think so if you add Mozart and, um, uh, Sermon and Mitchell, that's a pretty, pretty nice little, uh, group. And then uh, Ambre Thomas in the third round um, as a as a corner, I thought uh, is is an interesting pick because he didn't play in 2020 in in his college season, so that kind of hit, uh, he had a little hit um, against him in the draft for that. But I think he's he's going to end up working into probably a pretty significant role over time there. So um, and other than that, I mean they've got a decent roster. You know, Bosa's coming back this year. You mentioned Garoppolo. How long can he last? You know, my opinion is that he's good enough to get the club 12 or 13 wins uh, in 2019. And he, as a quarterback, he's not significantly different, you know. And, and I think as a placeholder kind of figure in that offense with that many weapons and the, and the defense that can kind of come together and, and be well, uh, be really good for them. Now, um, Sela is not going to be their defensive coordinator. Uh, we'll see that remains to be seen if that all kind of comes together, but I assume that it probably will to, to a certain extent. To me, this is still kind of a 11 to 13 win team, depending on their quarterback play. And you mentioned Garoppolo. I, I think he comes in. I think he's the starter. 
initially, and we'll see what happens. But it wouldn't surprise me if he puts together enough to where they're winning games with or without him. And maybe they realize that they could be doing some of the same things eventually, you know, by game six, seven, eight. They could be doing the same things by just limiting Trey Lance uh, a little bit, maybe, you know, sectioning off the playbook a little bit, so to speak, to kind of give him the same role that Garoppolo has, um, just kind of as a placeholder guy, but, but allows you the opportunity at the end of games to affect um, drives. You know, uh, Trey Lance is a guy that could definitely put together drives for you that could win games with his legs, with his athleticism, with his, um, you know, just his athletic traits where Garoppolo, he's never going to go out and get you points when you need him. He's a guy that if you're ahead, he's a guy that's going to maintain that for you. Yeah. So he's, he's one of those guys like, yeah, they won a lot of games in 2019 with him at quarterback, but they won a lot of games in 2019 with a stacked roster that had had pro bowlers and all pros all Mm -hmm. over the place. Um, A lot of those guys are gone. It's still a good roster. It's still a great roster, you know, in terms of its overall depth. But the high-end talent isn't the same. And, uh, I mean, you're talking about Richard Sherman in his prime versus the guys they have now. There's there's no comparison, right? I mean, there's been a drop-off in the elite level of talent, um, but they're still really deep, and they're still good. Um, I just don't... I don't see it as a a roster where you can sit back as a quarterback and just be okay. So I get a, I get a, you know, kind of a weird thing, but, um, and, and he may end up being washed out. I just don't know, but they picked up Josh Rosen in the off season as well on a veteran minimum contract. Talk about fallen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, is yeah, he, bra- is his brain just thing. completely washed? Or does, is, is a guy like Shanahan have an opportunity to infuse a little bit of self-esteem and confidence in this guy to be able to run an NFL offense competently? Um, I, think the, I thought it was a good landing spot for him, to no, be No, it was a great landing honest. spot for him. This is a guy with talent. He was a first-round pick, um, and that wasn't a, a missed first-round pick. He came in as a rookie on a bad team just a bad team mm. and played pretty well. Um, but they wanted, they made the decision the following year when they had the first overall pick that they wanted, um, to run, uh, you know, the, the, this wide open offense. So they, they got, they went and got a coach and quarterback that could do it. They found a dynamic guy basically. And that just made Rosen expendable. So he got traded and he's just kind of gone from, terrible situation to terrible situation um, ever since leaving Arizona and never, he hasn't gotten, hadn't, hasn't had a chance to ever challenge for playing time because there he's, there's, he's always, there's always somebody else who's like the higher uh, touted prospect. There's Tua in, in Miami or whatnot. And, and so he's just kind of been stuck in, in bad situations. Now it's not a great situation for him, in San Francisco because he's got Trey Lance. And so the likelihood of Rosen playing, I think is pretty slim because they'll go to Lance before they'll go to Rosen is my guess. Unless Lance, they just really want to give him more time. And they said, no, you're not playing. 
you know, for the first eight weeks, even if, if Garoppolo gets hurt. Um, but even then, you know, you've got, um, you've got a great quarterback mind, a great offensive mind running the show, good teacher in Shanahan. Um, so you're going to have a guy here. He, if he can get some stability, a chance to really work with Shanahan and, mm-hmm. and kind of develop, you know, the other parts of, of, of being the guy running the show, uh, get an opportunity, come in, play pretty well, parlay that into a, um, an opportunity, a chance to compete for a starting job, let's say in Minnesota next year. Um, it could work out really well for him. I, I, I agree. I think that it's an underrated sign signing. I mean, you're talking about a third, the third quarterback on the roster, but, um, the upside that he offers is greater than we're going to find the third quarterback on any other roster. Yeah, to me, and, and we'll talk about Arizona and and the the Rams a little bit. Um, to me, it, it's a two two way race. You like you you like the upside of the Rams. For me, I'm not a huge Rams guy, um, and I'm not sure that a quarterback change there completely did anything to change my mind. Uh, you know, it, it could happen, but I don't know. I'm just not feeling the, the Rams thing. You know, and and the and the Arizona Cardinals have their own issues. Um, I like their roster, but it lacks a certain level of maturity um, about it. And I don't know if that's a direct re- reflection of the quarterback play or if it's the coach. Something's amiss there for me. Like there's no killer instinct to put teams away or anything like that at all. Their their defense is pretty good. Their offense is. Eh, you'd think it would be pretty amazing and stellar with all the all the weapons around and stuff but i think their offensive line kind of holds that team back a little bit at least on the offense uh and then the rams i just there's just something just a little off about that roster for me i think the seahawks and the and the 49ers have the class rosters in the division uh and, and i'm i'm trying to say that without being a homer on the seahawks roster I, you truly look at the roster up and down throughout and and with russell wilson as the quarterback and the weapons they have on offense, and then the improvement they did on the defensive line, um, while retaining, uh, you know, uh, some of the other key positions um, on the defensive side of the ball with Adams and Wagner and, and some of the others. And Brooks, I think, is coming on. Um, they just need to get a little bit of cornerback play this year, and that that team is is legit. So that's the way I see it. it do you see it differently than that? Um, the only thing I would say is I think you're underselling the, the upgrade that the Rams made at quarterback. Um, I know that Matthew Stafford isn't like a guy that fans are like, yeah, he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. But you watch his tape, you look at his stats, look at everything that he does. If he hadn't been drafted by Detroit, mm, that's true. He'd be a superstar. That's very true. But Absolutely. He's, been, he's been stuck in Detroit his entire mm-hmm. career. Um on just a terrible roster. Um, and so, I mean, you're in a, I, I, he is a significantly better player than I think most casual NFL fans think. Yeah. No, he's a stats guy. So what I mean by that is he's going to get you attempts. He's going to get you yards. He's not going to be the most efficient guy. He's, um, he's not the most mobile guy. He's not the most accurate guy. But he's going to pile them up. He's going to pile up the stats. 
the question for me on Stafford is, can he take a fairly legit roster, a roster that's been in contention now for three years, can he take that roster and get him to the second level as opposed to, to Goff? Can he take the offense, the, the ideas around the offense that Goff could never execute? Goff couldn't throw a ball past 20 yards. Uh, Matthew Stafford, yeah. that's all he does. That's Ma- his Matthew, specialty. Matthew Stafford, it, and I, this, isn't, um, this isn't hyperbole, um, he has the strongest quarterback arm in the NFL. Now, there's been some younger players that have come into the league uh, the last two or three years. So that may not be true, but at least as of like two or three years ago, he had this, he was, he had the highest ball velocity mm-hmm. with the ball coming out of his hand. That's been any, true since he any, came into the league. Yeah. Any quarterback in the league. I mean, the guy can sling it around. Um, Goff was so limited. He was so limited in everything. Um, everything had to be short. Teams came up and played, Really tight to the line. It they learned how every, to play the Rams. Yeah, it slowed everybody down. Now, so it really does open that offense up. It totally opens up, just like it up. will open it up for Shane Waldron here in Seattle. Yeah, and in so fact, they'll run very. It'll look very similar, I think. Yeah, and so it's go like the the upgraded quarterback is huge for the Rams. Now they've lost a bunch of talent. There were a bunch of guys they couldn't retain because they used all their salary cap space to jettison a bad quarterback and bring in a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, but their top end talent's still there. They still have Ramsey at corner. They still have, um, you know, that defensive line. They still have, um, you know, Weaver in the, at the linebacker. They, 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 God, they're the high end talent is there. Did they keep Leonard Floyd? Yes. Yeah. Is that who you were talking about? Is that not what I said? I don't, I couldn't, I didn't hear you. I thought that's what I said. Um, okay. So if it wasn't, then I'm just, you know. <laughs> well, and they've got Cam Akers, you know, with, yeah, and he's and, just coming into his own, really. Yeah, and they've got, you know, they still have uh, Woods and Cup uh, mm-hmm. at receiver. They, If any of these guys get hurt, then the team's in trouble. And I think ultimately that's what's going to gonna gonna take the Rams down a notch is that injuries happen in the NFL. Every team goes through it. Um, and you have to be able to recover from that. I mean, the Seahawks at one point last year were on their fifth string yeah. cornerback out there playing. Um, you know, and their their fourth string strong safety uh, was playing. <laughs> I mean, that that's yeah, how Yeah, the beginning of the year last year was rough. Yeah, I mean, you had Ryan Neal out there. Only he, he was legitimately the fourth string strong safety because you had Adams, Blair, Hill, and then Neil is where you get to. Um, yeah, that's where they were. So it, injuries happen. For the Rams, if their guys, their their stars get hurt, there's no one behind them. It's a long drop. They need Ramsey to stay healthy for the back end of that defense to stay good. Uh, they can lose some of the other guys, and it's not going to be that big of a deal. But if they lose Ramsey, they that's not. I don't know how they recover defensively mm-hmm. on the back end. Um, yeah. And they were okay. You know, defensively they were okay. You'd thought that their defensive line would make them a little stronger last year, especially when they played the Seahawks. Right. But in other teams were able to successfully keep them away from the quarterback and, uh, teams were able to move the ball against the Rams. It'll be interesting to see, you know, they brought in a couple of guys, uh, this year as well as drafted a couple of guys 
think they um, ended up drafting like Bobby Brown out of Texas A&M, kind of a pass uh, rush generating kind of guy, um, as well as uh, Ernest Brown as well. Uh, Ernest Brown the fourth, uh, I think is his name. He's kind of a run stuffing kind of a guy to help Aaron Donald in there. Um, so that should help them a little bit. And then, yeah, you're right. The back end is kind of interesting for them. I, you know, they lost their their big time safety guy too. Um, moved mm-hmm. moved off the off the roster. I can't remember his name for sure. Thompson possibly. Um, and so it's a it's a decent roster, but again, to me, it's you're right. The depth just isn't there overall. Um, they they did sign Robert Rochelle at, at corner, so uh, it'll be interesting to follow him a little bit. He's a guy that we kind of looked at as possibly being a Seahawks kind of a, a defender, and um, it'll it'll be interesting to see if his career kind of uh, pans out there next to next to Ramsey if he gets a chance to to play. Yeah, I I really like our roster, Keith. I mean, to be completely honest. Uh, I wish I, we had more draft picks because we did so well with the three that we had, but maybe that's what made them um, so, so good. I think I'm a little more um, bullish on um, on Trey Brown. You know, uh, I want to give him an opportunity, and, and we'll just see there. Um, it's not my favorite pick by any means, but I think he's going to be serviceable. And, and if he doesn't work out on the outside, I think there definitely would be a role for him inside, whether it's with the Seahawks or somebody else. And then the, the the left tackle of the future kind of a pick was is very intriguing. Although I still don't really know what we've got with that guy Forsyth. Um, but the but the um, the first pick, Dwayne Eskridge, I think really has a chance to have an impact on the roster right away in a uh, return role initially. And then as he gets used to Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson gets used to him to have an impact. Uh, you know, each week um, with with four or five opportunities to catch the ball and get open in space. I think Shane Waldron has specific plays designed for him, uh, jet sweeps, motions, et cetera, to get him into open space to allow him to, uh, to gain extra yards after, after the catch. Um, I just, I like the roster. I mean, I think that it's it the, like the fifth wide receiver, like there's some back end roster stuff, some depth questions overall, maybe a strong side linebacker question. Although right now Cody Barton seems to be penciled in there, mm-hmm. um, KJ, but KJ Wright, Wright's still KJ sitting Wright's there. Still there. Apparently, I didn't actually see it, but apparently there was one of those fake Twitter accounts mm, where I saw some, yeah. someone you know mimics successfully. Ian well, they they didn't. They successfully retweeted a tweet by changing the date um, from the Seahawks PR Twitter account. And it said KJ Wright is signed, blah, 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 blah. It shows a picture of KJ Wright signing and it, it takes you to the link. Um, and then when you click on the link to read the story, if you're not careful, you know, the, the, the date of the article is 2017. So if you're not careful, you bypass that completely right away because you're scrolling through the picture to get to the text of the article. And in the text of the article, it doesn't say anywhere where the, the year or whatever. So uh, people just kind of assume. People ran with it. Was, it. Yeah, yeah I, I saw a news story um, from NBC that was like, you know, um, basically like person on Twitter fools everybody. Yeah. And everybody's kind of used to that, you know. So you really got to pull it off to do, to do yeah, it well. He so, did. Um, but honestly, <laughs> like the longer this goes, 
the longer it drags out. It's tough. You know, you mentioned last week that he'd probably be looking at a two and a half million dollar contract. And I just kind of groaned out loud. I was just like, man, that is just so difficult for not only just me to look at, but KJ Wright. That's just why KJ Wright's taking the time because whether he signs today or whether he signs next week or right before 20 training camp, likely that dollar amount doesn't change much. And so it's giving him an opportunity to psychologically accept the fact that this is where he's at in his career. Well, yeah, I mean, he made 10 and a half million last year, had a good year, and he was thinking he was going to get 12. And I said from the beginning, he's crazy. Yeah. Well, we both did. Yeah, um, absolutely. That it, it, if he gets an offer for, you know. I thought he would be at five and a half. Yeah. Or seven, between five and a half and seven with somebody. Yeah. If he gets an offer in that range, man, he better, you know, tr- I, I don't, agree. just don't trip over people when you sprint up there to sign, um, you know, that kind of thing. But he didn't either. He didn't get it or he didn't accept it because he thought he could get more. And now he's looking at, I still think two and a half get, is, is what he's going to be offered. And that's, that's generous. There's going to be teams that will t- call his agent and be like, hey, if he just wants to play, we'll give him a minimum deal. Mm-hmm. Get him in here. Exactly. Um, exactly. Well, he knows he's going to, if he wants to play, he'll play this year. The question is, will it be at two, two and a half million? I mean, that's really, a, you know, yeah. a million over veteran minimum for him. He'll get, he'll, he'll get minimum offers because he's too good of a player not to get something, even if teams don't really have a role for him. Um, but will someone give him, you know, two, two and a half million? I think they will. I think the Seattle Seahawks would do it right now. But he has to get himself ready to accept that deal. Yes. When he was thinking he was going to make 10 million more than that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Crazy. So what do you think of the running back room? After every uh, free agency, the draft, we really didn't do a lot. No. Um, I mean, we re-signed Chris Carson. The that, end. Which was huge. Um, right. I, I don't mind. It is huge, but. You, you. You have your top end in Chris Carson. The only reason they signed Hyde last year was because they knew they weren't going to have Penny for most mm-hmm. of the year, um, and they wanted they wanted someone uh, mm-hmm. to back up Carson. Um, Hyde did that, and then he got hurt, and then he wasn't really out there. And I never, really never, have my fingers crossed for Penny. I never, really never do. really did much. Um, but basically, I mean, Hyde was was there to replace Penny because Penny was hurt. Penny's healthy now, so he moved back into that role. Um, so you're not losing anything by losing Hunt. Penny's in isolation from a pandemic. I hope that he's healthy. <laughs> uh, nobody's nobody's had a chance to lay a finger on him. I, you know, here's the deal with Rashad Penny, and and the team made a choice in the draft in 2018. We're going to take Rashad Penny over Nick Chubb. Right. We both like Nick Chubb a lot, but Nick Chubb had an ACL like early in his college career that had a direct impact on his health grade coming out. And Nick Chubb is the perfect prototypical Seahawks kind of quarterback uh, running back. And Penny was not, but Penny had this stellar health history, but he played in this soft conference and, you know, who knows, right? So Penny comes in and immediately gets hurt, break, breaks a finger or something, and then that screws up his timing for five or six weeks. And he doesn't even get onto the roster really and, and suit up until game, you know, week seven. And then it was just sparing after that. And then the next year he got he got hurt again. And so it's just been an uphill battle for him. 
And then this year they elected not to do his fifth year option, which obviously made a lot of sense for a first round pick. It would just be way too much money to give a guy that's only had 800 total yards in three seasons. Um, if he somehow stays healthy, Keith, though, I, he could really be a difference maker. He's prototypically set to, to have a real big role in, in yeah, an offense. He is, he is the, Chris Carson is, is an inside zone runner. I mean, that's, he. And this guy's 230 pounds. He's not if, a small guy, were, but he's got speed. If you were to, if you were to build, uh, you know, a robot that for running the inside zone, it would look something between Chris Carson and Marshawn Lynch. Right. Um, if you were to build a robot for running the outside zone, it might just be Rashad Penny without the injuries. Um, mm -hmm. because that's who he is. He's got that speed. He's got that size. Um, he's a guy that, that would be, he'll be great in that. So if, if the Seahawks start running a lot more outside zone, yeah. Penny's going to have a big year. Yeah. Well, he's like Cam Akers is really what you're talking about, you mm -hmm. know, because, uh, he's, he does have that opportunity and I think the team should be excited if he's healthy, man, they can, they can do some damage there. Um, so you have the top two. And then behind that, it's what are you expecting? You yeah, know? well, uh, I D don't know. DJ Dallas has, um, he's got the talent, um, but we saw last year he wasn't ready when he got his opportunities. He looked mm -hmm. really tentative. Mm -hmm. he, like like he, he just was not ready. He looked better than Travis Homer. He did. Yeah. He looked better than Travis Homer, but that's Travis, not saying a lot. Travis Homer's tiny, and Seattle was running inside zone. I mean, that, that's their running game. And Travis Homer is a guy that is going to return kicks and punts. He's going to catch the ball out of the backfield. But if you want to run him up the middle, you're just asking for him to fail. So that's why I'm thinking like a guy like Alex Collins makes this roster because he's really the only other back on the roster to, to, that can take over for Chris Carson should Chris Carson not stay healthy. Or they um, limit or meter Chris Carson throughout the year. Alex Collins, when he left Seattle, he went to Baltimore had a really big year. Mm -hmm. He had like and, 950 yards rushing yeah, on it, limited carries. On limited carries. He, it wasn't until like, I think it was like week eight or nine that he took over the starting job. Um, Cause he was, you know, started out buried on the depth chart and then had to work his way. That's up exactly right. And fought his way onto the field and then ended up with 800 yards. Um, and they run a lot of outside zone. They run, that's a zone blocking running game that they used in, in Baltimore. Now, I don't know if that's true that if they've adapted to um, since they put Jackson at quarterback, because um, I would, if I was them, um, I would go to a more man zone to create uh, additional lanes for him uh, or sorry, a man blocking scheme instead of zone. Um, but I, I don't know what they've changed. I have, haven't looked that closely at him, but you know, Collins was there before that. So when they did run a lot of, of outside zone and, and, and that he's a great fit for that and mm -hmm. had all that success in that scheme. Honestly, he's a guy that if they hadn't been able to get Carson back, um, he's a guy that I would look at as maybe being, you know, the lead back this next year. Um, I mean, it would be him and Penny and yeah. Uh, I think it's pretty good at the, at the top there, those three. And then uh, Dallas, and, and then you're probably looking at Nick Belour being the being, special teams guy, and that's your five-man running back. Being fullback. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then um, I think since the last time we talked to Geno Smith resigned so that we don't have to worry about that anymore. Just trying to look at the roster here about any anything that we haven't talked about. I think Kerry Hyder's still underrated. You know, some people are kind of poo-pooing that a little bit and and as kind of a guy that just cleans up messes and so forth. Um, I think he's a little bit more than that. And so it'll be interesting to see how he affects that room or if he can come in and displace a guy like Rasheem Green because, you know, uh, Rasheem Green's job's on the line and he knows it and he may come in fighting. If he's a guy who comes in and cleans up messes and when you've got guys like Carlos Dunlap and Mm -hmm. and company creating messes and then he cleans it up by actually getting the quarterback to the ground instead of letting him escape and throw it away, that's that there's That's still, still a value. win. There's still Absolutely. value in having that that guy there, and then uh, yeah, I, I, just I think agree. He, he gives them he gives them a more consistent pass rush threat on that side than Collier does, where Collier gives them the stronger um, run stuffing and might give them a pass rush uh, help at the three tech spot, sliding inside and using his talents there. So um, I think it's good. I think I thought it was a good signing, and they signed him for nothing. Right, it wasn't like they gave him a ton of money, and for a guy who had that many sacks last year, to get him for that little, okay. So I think we've got a series of um, leading up to the to training camp of looking at the at the roster a little bit more in depth uh, with each each position group, and we'll kind of you know dig in a little bit more, and then uh, accumulating is a special show that we've got set up in July where we're going to uh, all get up in, uh, into Seattle and record a live show with Dan Viennes of the Emerald city podcast too. So that'll be uh, that'll be fun. Multi-platform streaming event. So is there a position group that you think going into the season is worse than that same position group a year ago? Mm, yeah. Defensive backs, probably a corner. It's just, you know, depth-wise, I think we probably, I think uh, Dan, I think, nailed it last week when he said that depth-wise, I think we're better. But starters, maybe not. You know, I mean, if you take a look at our two proposed starters and you match them up with other cornerbacks from every other team in the NFL, we're in the bottom third. No, I'm not talking about matching them up to every other team in the NFL. Match them up to, to last year's team. Well, I wasn't, an, I was never a Griffin fan. And I understand those who were. Um, he was a little injured, and he and he was very inconsistent. And I didn't didn't like his game. It it just didn't translate for me. Um, so I'm not terribly sad that that the team elected to move on, but it, I, better, worse. It's the same, Keith. It's the it's, same. It's the same. Yeah. So they. I mean. And on the other side, they got nothing from their proposed starter um, last year, and they ended up shuffling through a series of guys before. Uh, it's DJ it's like they knew up. that they had to work on it. It's like the same thing last year. They said, "Well, you know, the defensive line is going to be our priority," and it never was. It wasn't in free agency. It wasn't in the draft. And then they ended up having to trade for Carlos Dunlap five, six games into the season because they were so weak, and they finally realized that they were. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same sort of situation where they know they knew that they were probably going to lose Griffin in free agency because they couldn't come up with that sort of money. And, um, they, they went in with that approach anyway. They didn't elect to, to spend big in free agency. They, they, they got a bargain deal with, 
uh, Keller Witherspoon, and we'll find out if that pays off or we'll find out if it hurts them. And it really kind of depends on the defensive line, you know, because the defensive line, I think, is really going to get after it this year. I mean, really. And so that could make the the back the defensive backs better than maybe they look like on paper. So but that's I, that's me kind of crossing my fingers a little I, bit. I look at at the the defensive backs, and I think it's a wash. I don't losing Griffin hurts because he is the guy that yeah he might have been inconsistent and all that, but he was still mm-hmm. a legit starter, someone that you could pencil in in there. But he was the only one out of all the cornerbacks. Um, you know, DJ Reed wasn't even healthy at the beginning of the year, and so it took him a while before he you know worked himself yeah. onto the field and, and took a bunch of injuries, and then he played his way into that starting spot. Um. But you look at this at the start of the year. I mean, they got nothing opposite Griffin all year until DJ Reed stepped up. Yes, um, correct. And yep. now that makes got, me not have any hope this year that Trey Flowers is going to be able to step up either. Yeah, you know? and so you've got Desir, you've got Witherspoon, you've got uh, a bunch of young guys. Trey Brown, you, right? Um, you do have uh, Flowers, you know, there, and you know he had some really bad games, but he also had a couple of good games. So maybe you know, and talking through it, Keith, it makes me th- makes me wonder if they're done. You know, they they could there there could be two spots that they could add to on the defensive side this this year right now. KJ Wright and corner, and if they could somehow pull off a starting corner somewhere, you know, a a camp casualty or whatever whatever it takes, I think that you you look at those opportunities because I think it's a little light right now, and that's probably the weakness on the defense. But still, yeah, I mean, it is the weakness on the defense. But I comparing it to last year. Mm Yeah, but, you know, the second half of last year, we were pretty decent. The first half was horrible. You definitely want to say that it's it could potentially be better this year out of the gate, but I think it really does depend. It's, it is somewhat dependent on that defensive line, and we saw that the first half of the year last year. Yeah, the first half year. of the year, not only were they did they not have, you know, the, the strength of the defensive backs because of injuries and, and all that, but then they also the defensive line was terrible. This year, the defensive line, they're going in as a strength. Um rather than, mm-hmm. you know, a liability. And so, like, look at the number of pass rushers this team has. Oh, it's, even with, it's crazy. Even with the Alden Smith, Alden Smith thing mm-hmm. hanging out there, and so we don't know if, they, if that he'll actually ever come in and ever do anything in Seattle, um, or whether he'll, you know, get cleared and have a chance to come It's almost like the play. Alden Smith thing with Seattle was kind of a hedge against Daryl Taylor, in a sense. Mm-hmm. And that they still haven't seen Daryl Taylor on the field, but they were saying that he's healthy and all that stuff, but I, they just don't know, you know, yeah. for sure. And so, but you add Taylor into that mix and Robinson and Hyder, you bring back Mayoa, Bruce Irvin's still sitting out there. He's an option for maybe somebody if, if uh, Wright doesn't sign. And um, you've still got Rasheem Green and LJ Collier, and they really like the Miles Adams defensive tackle thing and Puna Ford's back. And they got Al Woods. I mean, that, that you, roster you is pretty mention, stacked. You didn't even mention Dunlap. And Dunlap, and Carlos Dunlap, you know, <laughs> put, put the icing on the cake, right? Um, it, it's, a, it's a good group. Now, when they were bad last year, right? Um, Mayo he, was taking 70% of the snaps. When and that he, was... When he know. played, and then he got hurt. And Robinson was a rookie. We weren't getting anything out of him early. Yep. Um, you didn't yeah. have Dunlap on the roster. You didn't have... Uh, Daryl Taylor on the roster because of, of his injury. Mm-hmm. Um, Rasheem Green was hurt. You weren't mm-hmm. getting anything out of him. Um, yeah, I couldn't even tell you who was playing. Yeah, you were <laughs> you were playing um, Jackson, 
was getting significant snaps. Yeah. Um, well, and, and Bruce Irvin got hurt, you know, right away. Yep. And and, uh, and so yeah, you had Jackson, you had um, what is it, Bullard, uh, was getting significant snaps mm-hmm. at defensive end. I mean, um, if it hadn't been for Collier. You might as well just have gone to and played with two defensive tackles and and a bunch of linebackers because you were getting nothing out of defensive end for most of the season. Well, and that was with blitzing Jamal Adams too at a historic level. And, well, but you that know, didn't. Just, he was he was hurt for a chunk of uh, when, true. The, when when the defense was at its worst. He was hurt That's not true. playing, so they didn't even have that going um, for them. They they really just got nothing. And now you look at it and you're like, okay, it's more than just it's more than just getting Dunlap back because they're also adding Taylor. They're taking Robinson who um, flashed good things last year. Um, and now mm-hmm. he, he should be able to step up and have a yep. bigger role and look yep. good. Um, you've got Hader to replace uh, Rasheem Green if Green can't stay healthy again um, to make sure you've got depth on the other side. Um, and then if Alden Smith comes, you know, we didn't, we were going to set up and, and talk about Alden Smith a few weeks ago. And then that thing happened right before we were set to record. And so we didn't mention it, but you know, that kid's got 42 sacks in his first 43 games. And he went three, three and a half years without being in the NFL at all. Came back last year, played for Dallas, did, did fairly well in a early somewhat limited role and came on really pretty strong, I think with five and a half or six sacks last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had 14 sacks as a rookie and 19 and a half sacks as a second year player. I mean, this guy's got all sorts of skills. It just really depends on where he's at um, in between the years, you know, and if he's legit and I think Seahawks, I think brought him in two or three d- different times to really kind of figure him out. Um, and they felt like they could take that chance. And then obviously something happened there. So, um, but it, if that plays out into his side of the story, uh, Alden Smith will join the Seahawks as well. And somebody out of that group we just talked about will not make the squad because there's just too many guys. That's, that's where we're at with that group. Mm-hmm. And I think you and I have both pictured who, or have both mentioned, not pictured, both mentioned who is mm-hmm. the, who has the most to lose. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's two players, Rasheem Green and Benson Mayoa. All right. I think we're done. I think we're done. Yeah. Let's call it a show. So um, what are we doing next week? I think we need to talk about it. We probably we need let's, some let's, uh, some revisions to that schedule that I wrote yeah, up a while ago. We are not going to tease next week's show. You're just going to have to come back and yeah, see what I think we do. I think we're doing the Sports on Tap thing next week. So okay. I think we're we're doing a, you know, a general Seahawks conversation with some culture and some uh, some football talk. It'll yep. be good. It'd be a good show. Show collab. It'll be fun. Um, all right. So let's, uh, we'll figure out the roster. We'll get it out there. We'll put this show out there and um, we'll be back with you next week. As always, you can find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. I'm at NWC Hawk, the show's Seahawks playbook on uh, Seahawksplaybook.com on the website, Seahawks playbook um, on Twitter. And you can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms and YouTube. So until next time, Keith, Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.